The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com I'm Neil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. My guest on this episode is David Young, the co-founder and CEO of Green Monday Group a multifaceted social venture with a mission to take on the world's most pressing challenges of climate change, food insecurity, and public health. David is also the CEO of Omni Foods, the food innovation arm under Green Monday Holdings. In this conversation, we explore David's beginnings in the plant-based food space with Green Monday and eventually leading up to Omni Foods' success in Asia and its expansion into the U.S. recently. David also shares his thoughts on the state of the plant-based foods industry and some predictions for the future. It was a real pleasure finally getting to meet David and have this discussion about a range of things we are both passionate about, from transforming the global food system to our shared love for noodles. I hope you enjoy this episode. David Young from Omni Foods, thank you so much for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. Well, thank you for having me. David, it was so good to finally uh, meet you yesterday. I've known of you for years now, uh, and I think I've sort of followed your journey um, over from Green Common, Green Monday to Green Common, then Omni Foods eventually. And I couldn't think of a better way to meet you in person for the first time we shared uh, an Omni barbecue pulled pork sandwich at one of the Plantega locations uh, in New York City. Uh, couldn't be a more perfect. Uh, I guess it was worth the wait. Well, that um, you know, if if the wait is to on one hand enjoy you know the great food, you know our products, your platform, um, you know your team's hard work to build that network, and of course the great recipe. Hey, I, I gotta say, I mean, um, it, it definitely is worth the wait, and I it exceed my expectations. Now, I, I'm the founder of Omni Foods, right? So I've tasted plenty of chefs, not different cuisines, um, but it it exceeded my expectation. It's very well done. I not because I'm here to 
promote it, but I do encourage everyone to go try because uh, it is something very different. Um, it's not your typical burger. So uh, I enjoy it very much. I appreciate that. That's high praise, and I appreciate the partnership. Uh, it's definitely been an, uh, a fun one to launch, uh, and I think there's a lot more to come there. But we're here to talk about you, so I want to make sure we we use our time effectively. Uh, you know, for those listening that are not familiar with your background, um, I just want to briefly say you're obviously one of the pioneers in this space. If someone has not caught, uh, ha- has not come across your name or the work that you've done. You've been doing this way before I think most people in the U.S. even started to take notice of the trends in the plant-based food industry in any serious way. Uh, And I say in any serious way because I remember a time, uh, I guess I've been involved in the space now over a decade, where if you said you were focused on plant-based food or or vegan food, uh, usually people would laugh at, at, at you. And, and I think that maybe is still true in some parts of the world and, and, and among some groups, but a lot has obviously changed. So why don't you take us back to a little bit in the beginning, what sort of inspired you to get focused on food and specifically uh, plant-based food? What inspired your journey to that? Well, I have been plant-based for 21 years now. So um, I'm, I'm from ancient times. <laughs> And um, in fact, you know, I when I started my plant based days, I was living in New York. I spent more than a decade of my life uh, in New York. I went to university my first few years of my career, um, and I and then of course the key moment of turning uh, plant based. Now, of course, it's out of my compassion for animals. I just think that's unnecessary to hurt or harm uh, other sentient beings' lives. Um, but, you know, at that time, it was just a personal thing. But reading about the sustainability reports back in 2006 from IPCC, United Nations IPCC, that was when I thought, wait, this is more than just me. This is more than just a personal choice. If this affects the planet, then it is the humanity issue. Uh, and we all need to do something about it. Now, at that time, I already moved back to Asia, uh, even though I, I split my time. I travel frequently to the U.S., but I was, um, you know, I was living uh, headquartered in Asia. So um, in Asia, the awareness, if you think 10 years ago, plant-based were, you know, weird or people would laugh at us. In Asia, we, were, we are aliens. <laughs> now, of course, I got to say, there are the traditional vegetarians, like particularly mm-hmm. for religious reasons um so those people definitely there's not a small demographic of those people um but that is more out of faith or religion i mean it is not definitely not about sustainability and it won't trigger uh innovation i think i mean um so yes indeed when i started in 2012 i mean this year is our 10th anniversary it's quite surreal um and that's that's also the reason why we did so much you know um it's not because i want to do that much but the whole ecosystem simply did not exist i mean green monday as a movement kind of like meatless or meat-free monday um but we want to directly link it to sustainability um that you know just to get it get in people's mind that you know food and lifestyle you can everyone can do to make a difference and then green commons shops which is a one-stop plant-based uh, dining and shopping experience, and then finally Omni. So 
yes, it has been a very productive and um, surreal journey. So, David, you've mostly been a movement builder with the work that you did with uh, Green Monday as well as Green Common. Uh, what made you eventually shift from not only doing that, but to start focusing on actually building a food company that's involved in manufacturing and distribution? Uh, essentially, what led to the decision to launch Omni Foods as a separate company? And why focus on that space, given you were already working with a number of brands that were producing products in the plant-based space? Well, um, to me, it boils down to two words or two reasons um, in terms of the work I do. Uh, one is you know, to explain to people why we need to change. So it's the why. Um, you know, people have been eating meats, you know, most, if not all their lives. So why suddenly there's this need to shift or reduce? So it's the why. And then the other is how, um, you know, when you think about, you know, solar panels, electric vehicles, um, you cannot just tell people don't drive or don't use <laughs> electricity. <laughs> so it is about giving them a better evolved solution. I mean, um, as we humanity evolves, as time change, um, we need to give people new tools. So food uh, or, you know, protein, animal protein, of course, you know, besides, of course, you know, from an animal standpoint, a lot of people, I mean, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, I mean, that wasn't causing sustainability crises like it does today. But today, that clearly is the issue. Now, Omni Foods is the how. Green Monday is the why. And, you know, it's, first of all, why one day a week at least do something, you know, come on, get a start. And then how you cannot ask people to sacrifice. Um, and, you know, if you ask people to eat salad, we all know that. I mean, if we just ask people to eat salad or tofu, that's not going to cut it. Um, now, particularly under Omni Foods, we, of course, the two major protein categories that we have launched uh, one is Omni Pork, the whole series of, you know, ground, the strip, which is like pulled pork, and then the luncheon meats, and then um, the seafood line. And the reason we chose these two is because, uh, well, number one, they are highly consumed in Asia. Pork is the most consumed meat in Asia. Uh, but second, in general, I mean, these are the two, another two protein besides beef and chicken that are, at the end of the day, these are the most consumed meats that the world needs. Uh, so if we can start with these and uh, offer people tasty, you know, uh, healthy, delicious and sustainable options, then we believe that can potentially be part of the that force to move the needle. So, yeah, that's how we came about fa founding Omni Foods. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of like Green Monday and Omni become you can say it's like the one-two punch, maybe, <laughs> uh, you know. So, uh, you know, people who never taste plant-based food, Omni, give them a new perspective. And it also helped transition them into whether it's Green Friday, Green Saturday, Green Monday, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I mean, it helped transition them to the flexitarian lifestyle. And how did consumers in Asia respond to some of your initial product rollout? Like, which year did you originally launch Omni Pork in? And I'm curious because I've spent some, I mean, I grew up in India, but I have sp spent some time in, in parts of other parts of Asia. And 
I did notice this is obviously years ago before the new wave of plant-based products. There, as you mentioned earlier, there there is a traditional um, vegetarian culture. Uh, there is even there weren't even I, I believe several what they used to call mock meats available um, in those markets. Yes. Did you initially face some uh, consumer pushback or confusion around who this product was for, and how did you get around those hurdles? Yes. Um, now I gotta say, I mean, because again, I've been you know, plant-based for two decades now. Uh, I've tasted many of those mock meats for a long time. <laughs> now, at that time, they truly were almost like uh, just, you know, as a mercy. <laughs> just, okay, you know, uh, if there's this minor, super, super tiny demographic that, you know, of people who did not, who chose not to eat meats anymore, uh, then at least give them something, you know. <laughs> so, Meat eaters or just well, regular, uh, you know, diners would definitely, definitely not choose something like that because it's not up to the culinary uh, satisfaction and standard. Uh, chefs would not, you know, I, I'm talking about general chefs. I mean, chefs would not use it. Uh, consumers uh, would not particularly choose them. Uh, so today we are very proud and humble to say that Omni, you know, first, to talk about Asia, I mean, we are in, you know, more than 10 markets. Uh, we are used by many of the global, major global and local chains. So, well, McDonald's in Hong Kong, uh, Starbucks in multiple markets, uh, Ikea, um, you know, and then just so many, Cafe Pacific, well, before they, I mean, before COVID, when they were still flying. <laughs> um, and so... In all kinds of environments, uh, and of course now in supermarkets, um, plant-based section did not exist. And I think partially it's because of the success of Green Common. So Green Common had to open a few stores um, as a showcase that there is demand. Um, and when people in the industry see that, hey, these are not the traditional you know, kind of the religious-driven uh, vegetarian anymore. These are young people, uh, sophisticated uh, consumers, uh, and also purpose-driven with bigger uh, kind of purpose and cause in mind. They see that difference. And I think all the global momentum, right? Of course, we know about the companies in the U.S. and we work with many of them. Uh, either we work with them before or we are still working with them. And... Um, these all feel momentum to each other. Um, and then, you know, people start to come in and say, hey, you know, um, I read about that uh, on the news or when they travel, they, they, they ate that in the, in the U.S. So they want when they see it available in Hong Kong and then, uh, you know, many different parts of Asia, it becomes kind of it, it caught on. So. You know, Omni, of course, now becomes a big driver of that as well. And a big fa big difference is, of course, we are, you know, we have the Asian culinary uh, background just ingrained in us based on what we have been eating just growing up. So by default, I mean, we would know what local Asian consumers want. Um, and like even if we say fried rice, right, dumpling, buns, I mean, don't think, you know, all the, you know, the bao buns in southern China and northern China are going to be the same. No, they are 
different. Um, people can notice that, oh, you know, that is not authentic, um, even though it's still within China. Uh, dim sum, same thing, you know, wonton, same thing. So uh, having those culinary knowledge, I think, besides obviously the food tech and science behind is also always about culinary. And, and you, of course, you know, with your Plantaga team know that very well because the product is definitely important, but it's not the entire puzzle. You still need, you know, the dressing, the, obviously the recipes, and then the actual environment. Now, if you cook the food one hour ago and then it becomes cold and just sit there, then, you know, no matter how good the product is, eventually it's still not going to taste well. So, um, food is just such a holistic experience. And so that's how Omni uh, comes into play. So obviously you've been fairly successful in Asia, both in terms of distribution and getting your products into retail as well as various food service environments. Um, but more importantly, you've also had a cultural impact with the help of the one-two punch of Green Monday, Green Common, uh, and now Omni Pork and oh, Omni Foods. What prompted your decision to expand out west? Um, um, what, wh why now, especially given the the number of different companies competing in the highly saturated plant-based food space here in the U.S.? Uh, why do you think Omni? I mean, I know my reasons why I think Omni should belo definitely belongs in the U.S. But I'd love for you to share your reasoning for making this bold move to bring a company started in Asia. Uh, to now um, sort of get into the U.S. market as well? Well, actually, I'm very curious to hear, you know, what you think. But I, I, I'll share my version first. Um, well, first of all, food is universal. I mean, food obviously unites people. And uh, in terms of food products I mean, uh, and, you know, culinary, everyone in the world, obviously, not just Italians eat pizza, not just... Japanese people eat sushi. In fact, a lot of Japanese people in Japan don't eat sushi that much. <laughs> <laughs> so um, dim sum is not just Hong Kong people eat dim sum. So we think, uh, of course, variety is critical for the growth of the plant-based market. Um, we ultimately, no matter how good any product is, um, no one eats the same thing like seven days a week. Um, that again, this is not against any brand or any product. It's just that you don't eat rarely. I hope, you know, do people just say, Oh, I love sushi. So I eat seven days consecutive, you know, uh, of sushi meals. So Omni really brings that diversity, um, and variety to the picture. Uh, and indeed, of course, we work not just for Asian cuisine. I mean, pork, seafood, these are definitely universal, um, when we got inbounds from, well, potential customers, people who have followed us or people who taste our products, they say, hey, when will you be in Canada? When will you be in uh, the UK, um, Singapore, et cetera? You know, um, it's only natural for us that at some point um, we will expand globally, just like American brands expand globally too. So it is, uh, food is, international and i think from that standpoint that's what makes it very exciting uh, but of course the last two years with covid by all means it is not easy for anyone mm -hmm. i mean for anyone um we all know about the supply chain issues the labor shortage uh, and clearly the disruption directly caused by covid so when you look at the u.s market and your timing i mean you did come here in the midst of the pandemic 
Um, and you've definitely started off both in retail as well as food service. Uh, where do you see Omni positioning themselves in the marketplace? Are you looking to um, position yourself as a company that, that only has pork and seafood alternatives? Or are you, uh, are you positioning yourselves uh, as a general plant-based meat alternative company that eventually will launch uh, in other categories? Or are you going for initially uh, the Asian market? Because obviously that in itself is a huge market in the US when it comes to uh, food, especially in, um, in food service. Um, so I'm just curious in terms of like, what is the expansion strategy? How are you rolling things out? Um, it, it's it's all a very exciting time to bring a company that has an established brand. Um, you obviously have done this before, but the U.S. is a unique market in its own right. Well, um, well seafood and pork as category, protein categories, um, relatively is still, uh, you know, uh, is still relatively less options compared to, let's say, you know, beef and chicken. That's number one. Um, and two, because of the authenticity of where we come from uh, and our knowledge in terms of, you know, palates and culinary, naturally, we work well with Asian food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we are from Asia. Naturally, we know, um, you know, Asian recipes, cuisines, palate expectation better. Um, so first of all, just that alone, uh, has a huge market. Um, and now, of course, just like pizza are not just for Italian, sushi is not just for Japanese, so Asian food is not just for Asians. Um, but at the same time, that authenticity clearly makes a difference. Uh, that's number one. Uh, and number two, um, as I said, you know, just on, besides the protein of seafood and pork, we love, I mean, and that's something that we have been doing anyway, is kind of like ready meals or uh, appetizers. Mm. So spring rolls, dumplings, gyozas, right? I mean, um, Omni works so well. In fact, I mean, you were talking about this yesterday. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, how cool would it be? I think that would be a, an amazing idea to have, you know, let's say, um, you know, gyozas, um, you know, let's say one order of, of, of is, you know, five or six gyoza to go. How cool is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so from that standpoint, I think uh, a lot of excitement uh, can be provided and it would also help, of course, our ultimate objective, which is to convince uh, and get more people to shift away uh, from meat and more into plant space. And how has it been so far? I know it's very, fairly early in your uh, effort to expand in the U.S. How has the reception been um, from both the buyers on the food service as well as the retail side? And, and I'm sure con- there have been several consumers that have been asking for this for a while. Uh, how have they reacted with your initial rollout? I mean, I can share some of my own perspectives, but I want to get your general ones first. And I'll tell you what, what I've seen within our limited uh, New York City perspective in what we're doing with you and Plantega? Um, well, first of all, we are very proud that, you know, uh, Omni is nationwide in Sprouts. Um, and we know that uh, the performance has been uh, well. And, you know, as a new product, um, now, again, you, your previous question about COVID, um, we, of course, we didn't plan the market entry during COVID, but mm-hmm. no one knew COVID would last this long. Yeah. <laughs> We thought it would be over. I mean, well, a lot of people, I mean, uh, there were 
various kind of predictions. And I think 99.9% of those predictions were wrong. Uh, in fact, with Omicron, it is uh, creating havoc uh, still around the world. So, um, but, you know, both from the buyers and consumers, um, we have been getting uh, quite good response. Uh, now, of course, you know, this time, uh, you know, rolling into 2022 really is kind of the more official launch. Whatever we did in the previous, you know, 10 to 12 weeks um, was just kind of soft launching in uh, and also just getting, indeed, just getting the products in the market, um, overcoming many of the supply chain issues. But of course, you know, we talked about how people love the Pupo burgers. Um, so tell me and what well, tell the audience too, just how, what you think and what the, you know, consumers think of our products. You know, I think what what made Omni a very has always intrigued me is because of your at least when you initially launched and I had heard about the product uh, and it wasn't available in the U.S. was how specific it was in trying to be uh, a plant based pork alternative. So it was, it, you know, it, it felt in the beginning everyone at least for the first I would say cut 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 to about 2016 on 2017 2018 all that was happening in the plant-based um meat alternative space here was burgers everyone was trying to uh the moment beyond launched uh the beyond burger after its previous attempts with the beast burger and a few other products uh that they no longer sell it felt like every other company in the U.S. was trying to get into the burger market. Of course, Impossible launched around the same time. And then there were several copycats of the same product. And I always kept thinking, um, eventually, consumers are going to find the best performing product in that category. And they are, you know, they're going to ditch the others. And, and of course, some consumers will prefer one over the other. So it does create room for maybe, maybe you can say four or five brands to have a fairly decent market share. Um, but at the same time, it felt like it felt like people were slow to move into new categories. You know, chicken is now seems to be the new wave in the U.S. Everyone's trying to do plant-based chicken. If you go to trade shows, it is uh, you'll be inundated with fried chicken in every corner. It's uh, plant-based chicken seems to be the new thing now. But pork to me was always interesting, is because it is um, everything that existed in the market, whether it was um, pulled pork sandwiches. Or, or pork in Asian restaurants, if you did find a plant-based alternative, the best you could probably do is jackfruit. And this is no knock against jackfruit. You know, I don't mind jackfruit. I think it, it sometimes can replicate the taste of uh, meat, but it, it tends to lack some of the nutritional content that you typically expect from meat, and it also tends to lack the chew. So this is more my personal opinion on this, but I always felt like there was... Um, an unexplored potential for a new type of plant-based meat that would be more like uh, how pork functions, which is it's got its own unique chew and functionality. Uh, and, you know, frankly, when I, I hoped your product lived up to the hype and I only tasted it after I, I got a sample from, from someone on your team um, and we knew instantly like this, we have to come up with the simplest possible sandwich that would be the broadest mass appeal that could also be created very easily with a few ingredients um, and that can be pulled together fairly quickly as well. So so for us, we are we have some limitations around what kind of sandwiches we do. We are not 
We're not claiming to be chef-crafted food, but there is a certain level of flair that goes along with putting together a sandwich in three minutes on a very hot, flat grill. And so we've learned from the cooks in the various stores that we, we partner with um, what they typically like to do, and we usually take products to them, and we'll say, okay, if you, you were to test out this product in, uh, in one of your sandwiches, what would you do with it? Um, and for, for Omni, it felt like, um, you know, this was finally a pulled pork sandwich. I, was, I, I, I felt like I was, again, eating a pulled pork sandwich after 10 years because I've been, at that point, I was vegan for 10 years. So I think it hit, the, it hit all the sweet spots of the texture, the taste, uh, and then it paired. It was so simple. All you needed to do was add some uh, mayo and plant-based cheese and uh, barbecue sauce, of course. Uh, and of course, toast the bread a little bit, and you've got a perfect sandwich that's put together fairly quickly. So we found that product really worked for that uh, setting. I do think, as we were discussing yesterday, some of your other product formulations, there are some interesting applications that we can combine with plant-based eggs, especially uh, to create something that I think would, would develop a different flavor profile. So uh, I don't want to make the rest of the podcast about this, but that's that's my long-winded answer to tell you why I thought Omni would be a good fit. I actually can't wait to try it in uh, in an Asian food setting because I'm I, I personally could survive off Asian food every day. Um, it, it's 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 literally the one cuisine I will never say no to. And today the problem is the, there's limited choices in the restaurants that you go to. Of course, there are some plant-based restaurants that have done some interesting things. But if you go to a traditional, any a Chinese restaurant, a, um, a Korean restaurant, you're going to have limited options as a plant-based eater. Um, so I'm excited about that opportunity personally, at least. Um, and I'm sure there's a huge market out there that you can tap into as well. Yes, I mean, uh, well, first of all, thank you for that. Um, I I think you articulated <laughs> very well, um, and what that was what we set out to do. Um, and again, this is not at all knocking at any other brands or product. It's just that um, I, again, because we need to look at things with a uh, different perspective. Um, and kind of just a more diverse perspective, that's all. So, um, and then you talk about living off Asian food. Now, I think for a lot of people too, Asian food could also be comfort food, mm-hmm. uh, like, you know, noodles. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a noodle person and yes, seven <laughs> days a week, indeed, I can have, you know, soup noodles, stir fry noodles. And then even noodles have a lot of different kinds, right? Mm-hmm. Japanese soba, udon, Chinese you know, thick noodles, thin noodles, uh, rice, vermicelli. Oh, I can go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that, that's, yeah, we could we could have a whole episode just discussing our love for various types of noodles and Asian food. It's, I have to stop myself because I can't, I don't make Asian food at home, but so usually if I'm eating Asian food, it's outside or I'm, I'm ordering takeout and there's, you know, I've I've got to I can't be doing that three meals a day. So um, so we we I, I got to be careful about that. So, but it's still um, I'm excited to see what you do with your product in it. But by the way, I mean that actually leads me to share why the brand is called Omni. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if this may be a question that you were going to ask, but um, um, so 
It is about all-encompassing. Uh, omni means for everyone, right? It's all. Mm -hmm. So all cuisine, you know, all cultures, uh, for all people. And that's the goal. Um, ultimately, um, even though, of course, we, you know, among the plant-based food lovers, we certainly appreciate these choices. But um, the greater goal is to get as many people to go plant-based more, I mean, as possible. So that's why we named the brand and the product Omni. That is so interesting. Um, you know, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears so that otherwise we're gonna risk just talking about a love for food, which is fine. I'm sure <laughs> this is the podcast that we usually talk about food. You know, I, I I am curious about your thoughts on the overall state of the plant-based food space and the market right now. Um, of course, we've had a few years of incredible growth. Um, you know, of course, Beyond went public. There's been a several new companies. The valuations currently for several of the meat alternative companies are astronomical. Yet, there's been a few reports out recently about how growth is slowing down. Some of it's related more specific to Beyond, but because Beyond is, uh, it, it, you know, is is how the the market sort of analyzes the viability of the space. It tends, tends to have a trickle-down effect on other companies and uh, uh, and how people size this market. I think there's, it's still early. Um, there's a lot of room for growth, but I do think there are a lot of naysayers out there who are already writing the story of how growth has plateaued and the plant-based uh, you know, hype is going to die down eventually. I'm sure you have thoughts on this, so I'd love to hear them. <laughs> First of all, I think any industry, almost any industry, uh, has gone has gone through, or you know, likely are going through that you know hype curve, right? So you know that's almost very well documented. Which is uh, what whenever there's a new idea that comes out, I mean, there is obviously the novelty factor, um, and then you know, ooh, you know, it's skyrocket to a certain height, and everyone cannot wait to get in. Um, and then, and then it reached a certain point, and then um, you know some of the reality set in. So, like let's say electric vehicle. I mean that is um, for the longest time. I mean uh, Tesla was questioned, and then not just Tesla, but just the whole EV sector was questioned, right? I mean I remember uh, again back in 2014. That was when I switched to my first EV. That was 2014, and I tried to install uh, the you know the charging the charger in my building, and of course it was banned. I mean the the committee would not allow it. They thought it was dangerous. I mean maybe the whole building electricity would go out. I mean it. Oh, I mean, um, and it took it was an ordeal. It took like a like almost like a 12 month battle <laughs> to eventually prove that this is safe mm -hmm. <laughs> is okay so you know to put that in the context of you know our space um well if we want to have a chance to combat climate change food security um i think never lose sight on why this space exploded in the first place i mean so of course, you know, there are news and well, especially in, from a financial standpoint, even quarter, every quarter of the year, it's like, oh, you know, how is that company doing? How are they performing? Uh, are they better or worse compared to forecasts? Um, that's true. Um, but from a big picture standpoint, 
Um, you know, one going back to EV. One day when like China government. Uh, that was maybe four years ago or five years ago when they say, "Hey, you know, in the future, thirty percent, fifty percent of the cost must be alternate uh, renewable energy," and that become the water that became the watershed moment. Um, so, can the world infinitely raise more livestock? I mean, I think I, my that's my answer. That's my answer. So now that being said. Of course, within company to company, not every company will succeed because fundamentally, it now goes back to execution. It goes back to the brand. It goes back to quality,、um, and it goes back to strategy. So, it's hard to comment on a individual company level,、mm-hmm. um, but no doubt. I mean, again, my macro answer is: Can the world endlessly support and raise more livestock? And of course, the answer is a definitive no. I love that. That's a great way to sort of sum it up because I do think that、um, the 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 question is is not about who will help make that shift. It could come from、um, it could come from anywhere. The point is the shift is needed, and the shift is inevitable. Now, of course, the journey towards that shift. Uh, is going to have its ups and downs. Some individual companies will have、uh, successes, and some will have failures, and some will not exist in a few years to come.、Uh, and then it really comes down to how long. What are the time horizons for the shift to happen? Right. It seems like、uh, you know at least there are early signs that big food in general, even meat processors, are starting to. Uh, dip their toes in the plant-based waters, whether it is through acquisitions or launching their own brands. That is an early sign that they at least see some value or potential in the space. Maybe, and some maybe have gone to the extent of saying that this is part of a longer-term plan to shift. And I think the the inevitable sign maybe is when we hear uh, when someone like uh, Cargill uh, or Tyson comes out and says we are committing. To phase out livestock by year X, just like some, you know, automobile manufacturers have done recently. That may be, you know, taking it back to your EV example. It could be, how many years are we? Do you think are we away from a moment like that happening? Yeah, exactly. I mean,、um, German car manufacturers. I mean, for the longest time, well, they they used to be the absolute leader, right? We all know, but. Uh, for a long time, they resist、um, or dismiss EV,、um, but now, of course, they are in. Now,、um, uh, on food, I think some very remarkable development. So, out of the UK market,、uh, let's say Burger King,、um, they publicly announced that no later than 2030, half of the menu will be plant-based. Wagamama, which our Omni Fish、uh, was very says explicitly that fifty percent of the food is plant based. That's, that's a commitment.、Um, IKEA is a global mandate、mm-hmm. that every IKEA on the planet, the food they serve or sell,、uh, must be alternative. So, and then you know, recently in the UK, all the non dairy options at Starbucks, there is no extra charge. You're not going to have like a add fifty pounds or add 
you know, 50 cents or a dollar just because you switch to almond or oatmeal, etc. So that's these are just some examples um, of how that shift is inevitable. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's early signs of it, which is usually it can only get better from this point in time. And so, you know, getting caught up with market fluctuations or, you know, quarterly results of any one company uh, as an indication that this is where the entire market is headed is um, is sort of losing faith a little too early. In- no, I think the, the other thing that is encouraging is this is a generational thing. Mm. So, of course, we know the new entrance to the plant-based lifestyles, many of them are young people. You know, they are the millennials, Gen Zs in particular. Uh, now, Gen Zs, I mean, they, to them, you know, every purchase, um, you know, the purpose, the impacts, these are the things they care as much as, of course, the gratification. So this is also, from a consumer standpoint, a general generational shift. Now, again, I use, I use the word generation. So mm-hmm. I didn't say quarterly. <laughs> I didn't say monthly. Mm-hmm. So we are living in a COVID world. We're still, um, even though certain countries um, or you know cities may be you know kind of coming out um, and putting kind of putting it behind, but from a global influence standpoint, there are a lot of challenges. So this apply not just to you know plant based business. A lot of companies are hot hits by supply chain, like tourism, airlines. I mean, these are, um, so in terms of market fluctuations, now, again, I'm not commenting on any company in particular, whether, you know, but I'm just saying that these two years has been, well, (laughs) to say it has been unpredictable is is clearly an understatement. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. Um, There's so much more to cover here, but I think we're going to have to save some of that for, a follow-up conversation, which um, I, I am very excited to have, even if it is just about our love for noodles. Um, but there's so much <laughs> more to talk about. You know, maybe noodles can save the world. At least if you can put Omni uh, pork in it, it might have a shot, right? So I do think Omni that... Pork, Omni pork dandan noodles. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I'm a big fan of dandan noodles. So uh, that, that would be a great combination. Uh, I have one last question uh, to close out this conversation with. Uh, given we're talking about the, the generational shift and the need for change, both from an environmental perspective, that you cannot keep adding more livestock, you cannot create more land, you cannot make fresh water out of nothing, not yet at least. Um, where do you think we'll be in 2050? Oh, wow. Um, 2050. 2050 is clearly almost 20, uh, 30 years out. Um, and I, if you think about, forget about 30 years back, even, even five years back and today, I mean, is night and day. Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, I mean, companies like Impossible Beyond just started. Green Monday started exactly 10 years ago. So 10 years is a long time. Sometimes even like I'm, I'm amazed how Instagram was founded, I think in 2011, <laughs> which is only 11 years ago. Yeah. iPhone, yeah. 20, 2000 and 
eight. Seven or eight, yeah. I believe was yeah. iPhone one. Yes. Um, now it seems like how can we live without Uber? How can we live without all these like apps? Uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. right? We're talking about food. I mean, who doesn't just you know post everything they eat? So um, um, thirty years is a long time. I'm actually very op- well. Okay, how do I put it? I'm very pessimistic and I'm very optimistic. I'm pessimistic because I think climate change wise, things don't look good. Mm. I mean, there are plenty of science that show we are completely heading towards the wrong direction. Um, Wildfire, extreme storm, droughts, you name them. These will be the norm. Um, In some way, just like how even COVID has become Mm -hmm. norm, right? I mean, um, so we've, thought that would be unthinkable but the unthinkable becomes the norm so that's the pessimistic side the optimistic side is that that means change must happen change must happen i mean humanity i mean we don't just say sit back and okay just uh like when you are on the edge when we're pushed to the edge we got to react yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to use like like hero terms. Like, we got to fight back. You know, that sounds like superhero, like Marvel movies. But we we have to react and we have to adapt and we have to change. So from that standpoint, you know, that depends on what you're doing. Uh, are you on the right side of change? And I certainly believe that for a lot of what we're doing, of course, there are many more innovation and mm-hmm. evolution to come. But I certainly believe we are on the right side of that change. I think that's the most balanced way someone has answered that question because it is true. We are facing the effects of climate change and hopefully that makes us want to change the way we do most of our industries today and food undoubtedly is a big factor in, in, in greenhouse gas emissions, in the depletion of our natural resources. Um, and yeah, that's a great message to leave people with is that you can you can start complaining about the things we didn't do in the past. You can complain about how things are going slowly uh, or you can start becoming a part of the change now in any small way you can. So everything from what you've done in uh, Green Monday, Green Commons to, of course, what you're doing with Omni Foods now uh, is helping to make that happen. I appreciate your time today, David. This has been a pleasure. Pleasure is mine. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and rate and review it. To learn more about this podcast or my work, go to eftp.co. That's eftp.co. Thank you for listening.